What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I'm sure many of you have been riveted by the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Well, that's finally over. So <laughs> whether you uh, were keeping up with it or not, I'm sure everybody is glad that it's over. There have been so many comical moments that have come out of the proceedings that a lot of people have uh, had a lot of fun with that on social media. But at the end of the day, it's a very serious matter. You know, there's some things that have happened that people have gotten a good chuckle out of, but it's a very serious matter on both sides. A lot of very serious allegations levied from both parties. And uh, jury finds in favor of Johnny Depp. Amber Heard awarded $2 million uh, based on a false report with what the jury deemed to be a false statement about her as far as arranging a crime scene and then calling 911. But uh, Johnny Depp believed on all counts of his defamation case. So, so there we go. Uh, guys, I've been a Johnny Depp fan for a long time. You know, and so when all this first came out, I was very troubled by that. I was like, hey, I, it's difficult to believe this, you know. And then, of course, they pull the curtain back and you kind of get to see that uh, a lot of these Hollywood types deal with the same problems we do. Just uh, they've got a little more money to do it. They take nicer vacations and live in nicer homes, but it's still a life on life's terms deal for all of us. So, so there we go. There is some sports news to report. We're going to talk some baseball today. It's uh, comings and goings at Mississippi State. You know, for every player that leaves, there's one that comes in. So I'm going to provide a little context as best I can to that. Also, Mississippi State welcomes 17 new scholarship football players to the class. The guys showed up yesterday. There was one exception. That was Don Terry Russell, and he got there today, I believe. 
think today is the day, like the, the last day to be here. And, of course, you know, his living situation probably is much uh, less complicated than perhaps uh, our incoming players because Don Terry Russell's older brother, Devontae Russell, already here. I suspect he's living with him. But, uh, but all that said, it's, it's getting time. You know, it's like everybody else is in the middle of college baseball, and uh, we, we would love to be. But uh, there are still some things that are happening on the Mississippi State campus. We just wrapped up a Super Regional in softball, of course, and uh, now here we go. We've got some uh, new Bulldogs here in town. And so let's come, let me just kind of bring you up to date on who that is. You know, maybe you have not really paid attention to that. <clears throat> so let me kind of get you up to date. First things first, Mississippi State batting a 1,000 when it's come to getting guys in school for summer school. That used to be a rare, a rare thing. It was a big deal if you could get guys here for the first session of summer school. Was, I remember we were so amazed. It's like, wow, these guys graduate. Next thing you know, they're on a college campus. Well, then the early enrollment thing became an, became an issue. And so in the last couple of years, of course, they have eased the NCAA clearinghouse standards a little bit because of standardized testing. And so you're not seeing as many non-qualifiers. Another reason you're not seeing many non-qualifiers is because of the hard 25. You only get 25 for the year. You said, but Steve, that's always been the case. Well, no, not necessarily. It was kind of a sliding number. Because of the fact, let's say you signed 25 in February and then two didn't qualify. Well, you got those two grants back. You could maybe sign some JUCO guys in December and count them under that annual 25 allotment. Nowadays, nope. You sign a non-qualifier, you've lost that scholarship. You sign a guy that opts to go play pro baseball, you have lost that scholarship. And so you're just simply not having those things happen. So let's take a look at who got here. You know, so there were um, 11 members of the 28-man class were here in January. That seems like it just kind of slid under the radar. It's like you don't even think about the fact that there were 11 new Bulldogs that went through spring football and scholarship. Remember, it used to be a rare thing. We had double-digit players, and some of that is a product of the, of the NCAA transfer portal. But you also had a handful of guys that just were able to graduate in December and come on, including defensive lineman Jacarius Clayton from Tupelo. Not just a big body that can move, but a guy that can make the grades. Quarterback Braden Locke from Rockwell, Texas. You know, last year we talked about, you know, Sawyer Robertson. You know, if he had been here, you know, as a true freshman in, in January, perhaps he makes that a three-man race in the fall last year. Of course, it was Lovertich and Rogers. Braden Locke, I don't expect him to make it a, a competitive fight this year. But he will benefit from having that extra spring. He was here as well. Percy Lewis, of course, DeCarlos Nicholson, both highly recruited junior college players out of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, and they were here in spring practice. And a lot of good reviews about both. Nobody at this point has got them penciled into the starting lineup, but both will play a significant amount this year. That left tackle spot might be the only battle really left when it comes to your Bulldog offense heading into the fall. Think about that for a second. You're like, oh, we've lost it. No. You're going to return your offense pretty much intact with the exception of losing Charles Cross and Makai Polk. I think we already know who the receiver will be. Will they match that same level of productivity? Don't know about that. But uh, there's not a lot of position battles on the offensive side of the football. 
Wide receiver Janoris Hobson, also a high school early graduate, shows up out of Horn Lake, and he was here during the spring as well. Adding with those five that signed national letters in 10 of December, you also had six transfers make their way over. Former Alabama cornerback Marcus Banks. Don't you know Alabama would have loved to have had him down the stretch? It's weird to think that, he, that he's like, I'm, I'm done. Coastal Carolina kicker Massimo Biscardi. Now, there may not be a more significant signing for this year than Massimo Biscardi. And that got committed a long time ago and just didn't talk in the media. We, we know the issues we had at kicker last year. This guy was a Lou Groza finalist at Coastal. Watching him in practice, it's just, he, he's just mechanical. It's almost robotic. It's like you watch his mechanics and you watch how he goes about his work. It never looks to be a struggle. It looks to just be a repetitive motion over and over again. If you had Massimo Biscardi last year, you're in a Florida Bowl. Middle Tennessee offensive lineman Stephen Lasoya, we initially kind of considered him a right tackle prospect. He will be a guard now in this scheme now that we've seen him in the spring. Uh, but he was here, and it got two that we expect to have some depth, got three years to play. West Virginia, he'll be a safety for us. He was a corner for them, Jackie Matthews. They're really high on him. They think he has a real chance. And, of course, State has a couple wide receivers, and Jordan Mosley from Northwestern, and then Justin Robinson from Georgia. And you see Robinson out there sometimes, and you look at him and say, we don't have anybody like him. And then they snap the ball, and you're like, where's Robinson? And then the next time – it's like they run the fade, and you think, how could anybody ever guard this guy? So he is a little bit inconsistent, kind of hides at times. It'll be interesting to see what kind of fall he has. But those 11 players all went through spring practice. So you got to feel like they've kind of got a leg up on things. But let's look at the, the newcomers, and there's not as much to talk about with these guys. But uh, you had 15 new players that have shown up this week. Uh, Trevion Williams, four-star defensive lineman out of Crystal Springs, the, the best defensive player in the state of Mississippi for the 2022 class. Former Ole Miss commitment Marquez Dortch from George County. Xavion Thomas, wide receiver from Marrero, a four-star. Uh, linebacker Jave Gilmore out of Emmett, Louisiana. He was a guy that committed a top dog camp and never looked back. LSU wanted him as a tight end. He wanted to play linebacker, and we got him. Linebacker Khalid Moore, I absolutely love him. I think he is one of the most unheralded players in the class. I love this linebacker class. I do. It is the best linebacker class I'd say we've had in four or five years. Maybe the year we got Jet and Aaron Brule and Nathaniel Watts and all those guys. Yeah, and that's been a productive group. I think this group is probably as good or better. Offensive lineman Lucas Taylor, one of the heroes of the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game for Alabama. Got out there and shoved some people around. And, of course, defensive end Don Terry Russell, wide receiver Caden Pope. A bit of a surprise commitment in some respects. A lot of people thought Tennessee would go full bore on him. And just one day out of the blue, I got a message from one of my contacts up there and said, hey, there's a rumor going around he's going to commit to state. We start chasing the rumor, find out there's some legs to it. Three days later, he's a bulldog. Valedictorian, scholar, gentleman, football playing aficionado Trent Singleton from Raymond High School. Really excited about Trent. Trent's the kind of guy you take to media day. Safety Wesley Miller out of Heritage Academy. People forget what a big get that was. I mean, we offered him pretty early, and everybody's like, oh, it's just some kid from Heritage. And the next thing you know, he's got a dozen Power 5 offers. And you're like, oh, we got to get this kid. Well, we did. Linebacker Avery Sledge, we have built a program on players like him. Kind of unheralded guys, you know, from kind of off the beaten road uh, recruiting stops. 
I have had some people compare him to, to Bernard McKinney. Now, I don't know if it's just because of the fact he was a quarterback and also played linebacker that draws those comparisons out of people. But Avery Sledge is, is a superior athlete, probably a year or two away from really contributing, but I, I think that he is a guy that we'll look ahead on. Again, I, I told you I love this linebacker class. Cornerback Davian Collins out of Covington, Georgia, an early commitment from Mississippi State, a little bit shorter than the, the typical corners that we get. I'm eager to kind of see how he fits. I was a little surprised that there weren't more schools that went in on him later. Defensive tack and Calvin Dinkins. People forget Florida offered him late, too. He was, this is a guy that didn't have a whole lot going on, committed to Southern Miss, and then kind of you know benefited from a great senior season. And this is the kind of guy that we've also built a defensive front around. This is a guy, too, kind of that typical Cameron Young, Caleb Ewells type, you know, just a guy that get in there and fight in the trenches. Maybe he doesn't fill up a stack column, but a guy that makes plays for you. That's Calvin Dinkins. Offensive lineman Jackson LaHue. I, I love this guy's game. I watched his film. Really got excited about that. When he got ready to commit, I said, you know what? We're going to be okay here. And then Jackson Cannon, a guy that fell in love with the Mississippi State campus as an underclassman, came on a campus visit with some teammates and said, you know what? If I ever get a chance to play here, it's where I'm coming. Well, here he is. In addition to those high school players, and there were 15 new ones, there were two more transfers that made their decisions during the spring semester. George Jerapolis, former UMass punter, and then Florida State defensive back Hunter Washington, also a four-star to high school. So that's your, your situation there. And so, you know, we've talked about Dakota Jordan. There's a lot of discussion that he is going to sign a pro baseball contract, so you don't sign him. If he gets to the draft and you still got a spot available, maybe in August, maybe you put pen to paper then and you add him. But there's a good chance at this point he won't enroll for college courses this year. It leaves you two scholarships to work with. Now, here's the deal. The chances of you finding somebody this late to make you a better football team this year are pretty slim. But you continue to work the portal a little bit this month. Maybe you see – I mean, you got – you're going to bring in a couple guys on official visits. Of course, we got a lineman out of El Camino Community College coming in uh, for an official. Got to kind of fight through some other competition there. But you may not sign two more this summer. You may hold those two grants and use them in December. So we'll see. We talked before we'd love to get another tackle, and we would. We're not going to sign a big body just to sign one. It's got to be somebody that can play here. We'd like to get another safety, but the chances of getting an impact guy at this point probably not very good. So if you can find a couple guys that are just kind of best available so that may not make you better this year, maybe make you better in the next year or two, you would go do it. But I think it's one of those situations you don't want to just go throw grants out there at people just to throw them out there. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I love them more than a friend. And I have enjoyed their fine cuisine for many years now. You will too. You will absolutely love them. There are a lot of places you go and it's like, that's oh, okay. It's all right. I don't know if it's a do-over. You go to Bulldog Burger Company, and I'm telling you, bring some people with you. You may not have a choice in the matter next time. You say, hey, where do you guys want to go eat? Let's go to Bulldog Burger Company. Okay. That was a good meal. And it is. It's always a great meal at a great, pli- pra- uh, great price with great service. Try to say that three times real fast. Go by and check them out today. You'll be glad you did. Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. It's one of the great delicacies in life. And maybe you don't feel like a burger, but maybe the kids do. You can have that great BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. i got to be careful how I say that. 
those uh, sloppy joe sliders incredible and again i'm a big fan of that nashville hot chicken sandwich if you haven't tried that yet on your next visit you should you'll be glad you did it's outstanding get the chocolate shake to go it's okay to have a little bit of a cheat meal Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and, of course, the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridgeland, Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. Let them know that I sent you. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Before we get into some transfer stuff, did you guys see the NCAA baseball attendance numbers? Came out a couple days ago. So number one in the nation in cumulative attendance this year Arkansas 363,000 people went to go watch a baseball game in Arkansas and some of you were part of that number about that LSU second this year 362.7 third Mississippi State 328.3 just imagine what attendance would look like if we'd had a big year Wouldn't it be great to lead attendance again? It's been a long time since we've done that. Fourth, Ole Miss, 310,000. So, of course, state kind of a distant third, but also a lot of distance between state and Ole Miss uh, from third and fourth. And number five, South Carolina, 215. So, yeah, a, a big disparity between the top four schools and then the rest of the country. So, pretty impressive numbers. So, hats off to you Bulldog fans, it turned out. Uh, But, again, huge numbers. We talk about the SEC. It's not just the fact that we play a good brand of baseball. We kind of play a good brand of baseball because people down here care about baseball. So there's an expectation. And then look at Southern Miss this year. I don't know what their attendance numbers are, but, yeah, they had great support too. We get it done down here. So there you go. All right, let's talk about uh, transfers. That's been in the news. And uh, there will be a couple more. Uh, transfers here in the next day or so. I I expected them today. They haven't come today. By the time the show airs, maybe they will. Maybe it's tomorrow. But uh, there will be a couple more transfers. Now, anybody's going to tear you up. You know, we love all of our players, but uh, these are not regulars. But but so yesterday, Braywin Skinner uh, announced that he was going in an NCAA transfer portal. And I want to take some time to talk about this. First off, I want to talk to you about Braywin Skinner. Braywin Skinner an outstanding young man first and foremost comes from a family of bulldogs a guy that dreamed of one day wearing them over us and running out in the outfield making plays for mississippi state he got a chance to do that didn't have the chances this year that maybe a lot of people had hoped for uh, people forget you know braylon was expected to be the starting left fielder last year he broke his bone broke a bone in his hand and missed some time and it took him a while to kind of get going. He had that big home run against LSU, and everybody's like, now I see it. Now I understand. You know, we don't win that LSU series down in Baton Rouge without Braylon Skinner. He got the home run. He had another uh, RBI base hit that basically gave State a little separation that game. But Braylon's a guy. Now, here's the thing, too. And I think it's important to understand this. Mississippi State is among the nation's elite in college baseball programs. We didn't have a great year, and there's all. And, and I, I'm not going to chase this rabbit trail long. There's always that guy 
There's always that guy in our fan base that can't wait to make the self-loathing comment. Like, like I'll go write an article, and it's like, hey, this is what Mississippi State is working on, and the state's looking to rebuild the roster. Oh, it shouldn't be rebuilt. Oh, but it is. It is. And Mississippi State wins an AFL championship. Well, we didn't this year. Oh, yeah, no duh. But here's the deal. We are a national elite program. And there are national expectations from this fan base. You don't come to Mississippi State and expect things to be a cakewalk. You know, we've got great facilities. We've got amazing fan support. We have an amazing commitment from the administration financially. And there is some expectations that goes along with that. We didn't just build a great stadium to have a big party. Contrary to popular belief. We built this cathedral out here because we wanted to attract better players. We wanted to have the most exciting atmosphere in all of college baseball, and we do. But it, that wasn't just for us. It wasn't just for us to celebrate college baseball and to celebrate our own greatness and say, look at us and say, hey, look at what we've done. Now, we did that to attract players that will get us up the national ladder. That's why we do it. And so sometimes it's an untidy undertaking. Now, let me share this with you, too, and I have this on good authority. Braywin Skinner was not processed. Braywin Skinner made his decision. Braywin Skinner could be back at Mississippi State next year if that's what he wanted to do. Braywin Skinner wants to play every day. And he's not going to get that opportunity here at Mississippi State. Now, he'd come in and compete for a job, but he's done it the last couple of years. You know, and he's played some. He has. He hasn't played as much. And, and here's the deal. You've got uh, your last year of eligibility, I believe. This would be his last year. Um, you know, so how many years, you know, do you want to be a reserve? And so if it's not going to happen here, you need to go somewhere else to play. We talk about this on the show all the time. You only get a short time in life to play sports. And I don't want to be – I would want to be the guy that's like the bench warmer on a championship team. I would rather be a contributor on an average to mediocre team. I want to play. i got my whole life to work. At least, at least if I'm on the field, maybe I catch somebody's eye. Maybe I get a chance at a minor somewhere. You're not going to do that on the bench. And so I'm sure it was a dip- – Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. 
Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Difficult decision for Braylon Skinner to say, you know what? Here we go. So, and I had to pause there for a second. There is some breaking news, and by the time that you read this, you'll uh, you'll hear this. You'll have seen it. Uh, Davis Mesh, infielder in the NCAA transfer portal, and Jack Walker, freshman in the NCAA transfer portal. And again, quality young men. It just didn't work out. Jack Walker just not. A, Jack was a national pitcher of the year last year at high school, and just it just never really caught on the year. It just didn't happen. It's like a night and day deal. And so, I shared that to kind of give some context too. And I apologize if it, if it seems a little bit disjointed. But here's the thing: because we are a national league program, and we have a very demanding fan base, we have a very supportive fan base. And listen, there are a lot of our fans that are like, hey. I'm going to be there through thick and thin. And it's true. And those people are great. And there are some others who are like, you know what? I'm going to buy my season tickets, but I'm not going if we're losing. And you know what? Those people are great too. I wish you'd find a way to get your tickets in the hands of Bulldog fans uh, that maybe don't ordinarily get to go to a game. But we are not a big enough fan base. We're like, well, you just, you know, go cheer for somebody else. We need every fan we can get. And we have such pride in our baseball program. And because we are so invested in it, and it's not a, just a financial investment. There is an emotional investment. There is a personal investment. In some respects, you could suggest a spiritual investment when it comes to Mississippi State baseball. And so because you are so invested, you expect the team to win and win at a high level. And so when we have a year like we've had this year, we're all like, you know, hey, this can't happen. This isn't Mississippi State baseball, and you know what? You're absolutely correct. And there were some times, you know, we were a little bit up and down. Not just this year, but, you know, in several years past. We've been on a really good run, you know, since 2016. This is the first time we missed the tournament since 15. And I think perhaps we thought we had outgrown that, that we would be immune from it. You know what? And it fell apart on us. Now, we've got a couple choices. We can find a way, well, you know – my kids love this player, and that's really sweet. You know, I was a kid one time, too. And Gator Thiessen was my favorite player when I was a kid. He was my favorite player on the 85 team. Mike Kelly was my favorite player before that, you know. But, but here's the thing. It's not about what you or I really want. It's a principles before personalities deal. We want and need to win. And so sometimes that means that maybe a player that I really love as a person is not going to be involved moving forward. And I'm going to get back to Skinner, too. Braywin Skinner had the opportunity to stay. He wasn't pushed out. And, you know, Braywin Skinner, as I've said this many times, the most important stolen base in Mississippi State baseball history and one of the most endearing images of Omaha 
is Braylon Skinner rounding third and grinning from ear to ear as he slides in the home plate to beat the University of Texas. Thus, the Juco Bandits were born, right? We got some amazing memories with Braylon Skinner, but in some ways, it would be very selfish of us to want Braylon Skinner to stay. And say, but Steve, no, but you. I don't want Braylon Skinner to stay and appear in another 20 games when he has the opportunity to go play in every game somewhere else. We've got an amazing memory with Braylon Skinner, and, and as I wrote yesterday, he will be able to come out to Polk Dement Stadium every year the rest of his life and getting a standing ovation from our wonderful fans, and he deserves that. And we share an incredible experience together. But I don't want him just to hang around for the photo ops. I want the kid to have a chance to play. Now, he's tried for two years to break in and be an everyday outfielder for Mississippi State. Now, that hadn't that happened. And so I'm sure he and his family have had to sit down and kind of talk about it. Well, you know, Bray, what do you want to do? Well, I want to play. You know, I want to play. Because maybe if I can get on the field somewhere else, maybe – I can get a chance to go you know, get, a, get drafted maybe next year, perhaps get an undrafted free agent contract and have a chance to go play beyond the college level. That's not going to happen if he stays here as a reserve outfielder. It's not. And so a lot of times people think, oh, I hate this. Well, we, we hate it because we're being a little bit selfish. And some would say, well, you know, Stevie should have played more this year. You know, when he did play, other than the Tennessee weekend, he really kind of struggled. He did. And it's one of those things, too, I'm not going to sit here and besmirch the reputation of a guy that's given his all to Mississippi State baseball. Not going to do it. And I'm going to tell you this, too. You will not find a Mississippi State baseball player that will tell you anything negative about Braylon Skinner. I'm happy for Braylon. I'm sad for us, you know, because it's like the end of an era, right? Right? You know what I'm saying? It's like you kind of get used to these guys being around. But, again, that's, that's about me. It's about you. It's not, it may not be what's best for Braylon Skinner. And so, again, he was given the opportunity to stay. He has elected to go to the portal. He could always take his name out, but I don't expect him to. And to be honest with you, I don't want him to. And it's not because I'm ready to see him leave. I'm ready to see him play. And if he's not going to play here, I would rather he go somewhere else and play and further his own baseball interest than just sit around here so you know, we can all get our picture made with him. So let's run through uh, you know, some guys that, uh, you know, kind of comings and goings, I guess, when it comes to uh, these transfers. How about that? All right, so here is our list of departures so far. Catcher Gray Bain, right-hand pitcher Mikey Tepper. And he was the guy, too, that we were really high on coming out of Fort Mill, South Carolina. It just hadn't come together. The guy's got electric stuff. His controllers hadn't been there. Left-handed pitcher Taylor Montiel. And he was a bit of a developmental guy. And I think that he's a guy that you'll see pitching uh, for somebody. And maybe he goes to JUCO this year. Don't know. He's a guy that knows to get on the field. But I, I don't think you've heard the last of Taylor Montiel. I, I just don't. Left-handed pitcher Bradley Wilson. Another guy. Left-handed arm. Those guys come at a premium. They do. I think everybody knows that. Left-handed pitcher Andrew Walling. Man, it's been a nightmare of a year for the kid. It really has been. He turned down money to be drafted last year. And this time last year is what we were talking about. You get, 
you had the big four, right? And people were like, Steve, who do you think is the one guy we got a chance to? I said, Andrew Walling. We ended up, we ended up getting him, but it just hadn't, it hadn't worked out. It just hadn't come together. And I've talked to some college baseball people and some pro scouts uh, that have said, you know, it's, it's about repetitive motion for him. That his plant foot is everywhere. You know, he's a big, long, lean guy, throws really hard. But mechanically, he's a bit of a mess. And we hadn't been able to get him cleaned up. And I'll add in right-handed pitcher Jack Walker, outfielder Trey Revy Higgins, outfielder Matt Quarter, outfielder Braylon Skinner, and infielder Davis Mesh. And so those guys are moving on. That's part of the deal. You start doing the math and you start thinking, okay, well, how many guys from last year's team are going to be back? I would submit to you it's probably about 15. Maybe less. Now, I've got it on good authority. We're not expecting any more transfers, and that's not to say that a kid's not going to come up here in a week or two and say, you know, I think I'm going to go. Everybody's had their, um, you know, exit interviews and that sort of stuff, you know, so that's, that's kind of behind you now. So I feel like you guys kind of know where they stand, and I think the staff knows kind of where they stand with guys too. And so let's run through the list here real quickly on the roster uh, basically who we think will be back and, and, and who won't. I think Casey Hunt is back. Casey may be a, laugh, a, la- a late pick, but I think Casey needs another year. Jess Davis, of course, was a grad transfer. He and R.J. Yoga are both gone. Aaron Downs, a guy we think a lot of, he'll be back. Cameron James, I expect Cam to get drafted and signed. Brandon Smith, not sure what to expect with him. I don't think he gets drafted. I think Brandon's back. I think Brandon's probably back. Drew McGowan, I've had somebody tell me that uh, Drew might actually end up going to medical school. He's an extremely intelligent guy, and that uh, he, might, he may not come back next year. And he may not go on the portal. He may just go ahead and finish his degree and, and get into uh, you know, an advanced degree somewhere. But I've had somebody tell me that Drew may give up baseball, not because he's disenchanted, but he's just kind of ready to get on with life. Uh, Pico Khan, we know that he'll be back. Feel really great about him. He'll challenge on the weekend. You know, Trey Higgins mentioned he's gone. We expect Callum Clark to be back, barring something crazy in the draft. I've actually spoken directly with uh, some people in his family. Uh, Callum is living his dream playing at Mississippi State. I don't think he'll be drafted high enough to sign this year. Davis Mesh has transferred. Of course, Matt Quarter has transferred. Kate Smith, expecting him back, probably your Friday or Saturday guy next year. I think Cole Cheatham, a left-handed pitcher from Ardmore, Alabama. I think Cole is a guy that will be a real factor for us next year. Had had a couple of up-and-down outings late, but when given the chance to pitch, Cole's around the plate. I think there's something to build on there with him. Stone Simmons will be back. I don't expect Stone to be available to pitch until we probably get into SEC play at the soonest. Very, very serious surgery for him. So he won't pitch in the fall. And then we'll kind of see how he goes, how he's uh, going your first of the year when we get into spring. But I wouldn't expect to see him on the, on the mound until we get maybe into SEC play, probably into the month of March. Jack Walker, of course, is transferred. Logan Tanner will be drafted in the first three rounds of the MLB draft. A lot of people said he had a first-round grade on him. I'm kind of hearing more second round right now. Uh, Luke Hancock, this is going to be interesting. You know, he's a senior in the classroom, a junior on the field. He's got a year of eligibility left. I think Luke is probably gone, but I won't be surprised if he comes back. I think it's going to matter when he gets drafted, what he wants to do. I mean, because maybe he can come back next year and you get that, su- that senior, super senior saver deal. You know, you don't get the big signing bonus, and that's, a, that's the thing you got to think about. 
Uh, Landon Sims, of course, will not be back, and he will be a first-round draft pick. Slate Offord expected to be back, be your starting third baseman next year. Got to get the hitting aspect of it down, too. Uh, Gray Bain, as already mentioned, has transferred. Jackson Fristo not going anywhere unless he's drafted. I've got that on good authority, too. Spoke with the family. He is happy at Mississippi State. Uh, Didn't have his best year last year. He knows that, has some things he wants to work on. He wants to come back and compete for an opportunity to get back into the starting rotation. He's going to work hard this summer. So unless he gets drafted high enough to go, which I don't expect, he'll be back. Mentioned Taylor Montiel and Andrew Wall in his transfers. Von Siebert, I'm told, will be back. Uh, he'll have a chance to compete. Of course, uh, it's always nice to have a left-handed bat off the bench, even if he doesn't earn a starting spot. Tanner Leggett, uh, a senior, he moves on. I got it, got it, one of the biggest hits in the history of our program. Parker Stinnett, a senior in the classroom, a junior in eligibility. I do expect him back. You know, he had the injury, and while I haven't got anybody to really drill it down, I'm told it wasn't Tommy John. So it doesn't look like it'll be one of these things where he'll be unavailable once we get into the fall. We don't hope so. And we think we have a chance to get him back. And, and he's a guy, too, at times, very, very good. Brad Compass, Brad's going to sign. He's a senior in the classroom, a junior on the field. Brad's going to sign. There are a lot of scouts out there that really like him. Preston Johnson, a junior in, uh, in the classroom and a sophomore on the field. So he's actually got two years of leverage. I expect Preston back. I just don't think he goes high enough. But you never know. I mean, all it takes is one team to love him. Braylon Skinner, of course, as we mentioned, is transferred. Bryce Chance uh, from MRA expected him back. He's, from what I understand, he's going to play for Coach Polk this summer uh, on the summer league circuit. Mikey Tepper, Bradley Willis, we've mentioned his guys. He'd moved on. Lane Forsythe still here. Excited about that. His best year as a Bulldog. And uh, I think next year could be a year where he really makes a jump. Defensively, he's elite. Hunter Hines, of course, uh, will be a freshman All-American when those lists are finally announced. Cam Tuller, a, a senior in the classroom, a junior on the field. I'm not sure what Cam – you Cam went through senior day stuff. I don't expect him back. And, of course, Drew Talley was a senior. He's exhausted his eligibility. And then Brooks Auger, of course, uh, a sophomore that got injured this year. He'll be back. Not exactly sure what his recovery time frame looks like. But, you know, running through the numbers here, it is a dramatic rebuild, and some of that is because of the fact that we have so many seniors. You start looking at their eligibility here, you start running these things down. I mean, you had four guys that were seniors all the way. What I mean by that is their eligibility. And then when you look at the academic side of things, you start counting these things down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven guys that were seniors you know, in the classroom. And of those, the only one that really has some eligibility left back that I expect to be utilized is, is Brandon Smith. And, again, it's going to depend on where he's drafted. I'm a Brandon Smith fan. I know that he last couple of outings were, were a little bit shaky, but Brandon's a guy that usually keeps the ball down. And I think that Brandon's a guy, too, that uh, could really help us if he comes back next year. That's your returning roster rundown. And, uh, again, I don't expect any more transfer outs. I think at this point, thing else would be a surprise. Maybe Cam Tuller likes to go in. Uh, but I don't know that we expect him back either way. I mean, and, and, again, I don't know. I don't know what, what he's thinking right now. And of course, he's got his degree, went through senior day festivities, but um, kind of is what it is. Let's get into today's top ten list. And we're not doing music today. How about that? Roy is on vacation. And so rather than kind of burden with Roy with having to go back and look and grab things and put them on the Spotify list, we're going to do some movies today. We're going to change it up a little bit today. How about that? You excited about that? Well, you should be. 
So the top 10 list brought to you by clotheswithblair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. A lot of people in the mortgage business. Blair's a mortgage professional. This is a guy that can get things done. Top 1% close ratio in the country two years running. It's a guy that's seen a lot of non-conforming borrowers, some atypical properties, some very complicated cases. But because he has, he knows how to go talk to underwriters and kind of get your loan approved and see what needs to be done. 21 years in the industry. 21. Works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it comes to mortgage lending. And here's the thing, too. Blair is going to give you some incentive to do business with him. If you listen to this show, no matter who you cheer for, you mentioned to him, you heard about him on the boneyard, he'll pay for your appraisal. A lot of people out there want your business. He's willing to prove it. He'll pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. Give Blair a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Visit him today at closewithblair.com. All right, today's top 10 list. I am still, like the rest of you in the nation, I am still enamored with uh, Top Gun Maverick. Went and saw it. Matter of fact, that my youngest son, Ian, and his friends went and saw it for the second time yesterday. Biggest or second biggest Memorial Day box office opening in the history of the world. How about that? Who saw that coming? So in honor of that, we're going to do our top 10 Tom Cruise movies. I, I don't think we've ever done this list before. You know, in the infancy of the top 10 list, we would not just do music. And then we've done, because we do what kind of you guys ask for, but sometimes, you know, I'll throw a curveball at you guys. But uh, so top 10 Tom Cruise movies. When you've got a blockbuster like this, you may have to readjust your list anyway. So here are some of my favorites that didn't make the list. And, you know, Tom Cruise has been in, you know, 30 some odd movies. It's crazy to think, you know, the success that guy has had. All the right moves. I love the movie. You know, he's staff, and of course, uh, you know, ends up going to get him a chance to play college football. But um, he and Leah Thompson were the hot item. But all the right moves came out when I was just a teenager. We loved that movie. Eyes Wide Shut with Nicole Kidman. Kind of a crazy, kind of erotic type thriller. Pretty wild movie. Very different than the Tom Cruise catalog. I really like Nicole Kidman's performance more than Tom's, but uh, pretty crazy. Mission Impossible, and that's become a franchise. I didn't want to list them all, but uh, I didn't have that in the top ten. And some of you will be like, Steve, the cinematography is so great. The action's great. And Tom Cruise has some of his own. St-. You're right. I just like some other ones better. The Outsiders, and I love the book. I love the movie. I love Tom's performance in The Outsiders. That movie is so action-packed with so many great characters. You know, C. Thomas Howell and Matt Dillon and Ralph Macchio. Stay golden, Pony Boy. The Color of Money. That's another one that narrowly missed the list. Great Eric Clapton song on that soundtrack, too. So here we go. Top 10 Tom Cruise movies. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of flack about this one, and I'm prepared for it. I'm, I'm here for it. Number 10 for me, the John Grisham thriller, The Firm. Love it. I love the ending. A lot of other people feel like the ending, they kind of shortchange just a little bit. It shows you how little you know about John Grisham writing. Number nine, I loved his performance, but I think 
Cuba Gooding Jr. may have been the star of this, but we're going with Jerry Maguire. There were some parts in it, like it was a little bit too frou-frou for me. I love the movie. I do. I remember I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana. I went and saw it, and I got kind of emotional after because it makes you remember what matters most in life. It really does. I remember Rod, Rod got hurt. Rod Tidwell got hurt. Everybody thought he was dead. But he, did, he wasn't. Number eight, Days of Thunder. Love this movie. When, it, when I catch it on uh, TV sometimes late at night, I watch it again. And, you know, Rowdy Jordan is named after a character in Days of Thunder. But Cole Trickle, that was Tom Cruise's role. It's a great one. Great. I believe that's when he met Nicole Kidman for the first time. I think that's right. Number seven, one of the greatest movies in many respects of all time, and it's Tom Cruise is in so many of them, but it's Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman. A remarkable movie. The, com- the comedic timing in this movie is just incredible. It is a wonderful film. Number six, when we all fell in love with Rebecca De Mornay, which uh, back in our teenage years, we kind of fell in love with everybody, but... Um, so, uh, Risky Business, number six, Risky Business. And everybody knows old-time rock and roll from uh, Bob Seger, a lot from that one. Kind of revitalized that song and introduced it to a new generation. Number five, one of the great love stories of my generation. I don't know that it gets enough credit. It is a great, great, great movie. I've watched this so many times. And uh, Elizabeth Shue proved that she was more than just uh, Alec from Karate Kid. It's Cocktail. Number four on the list, the brand new one, Top Gun Maverick. I know many of you are saying that you like the new one better than the first one. I disagree because I think the second one is great because it built on the first one. And so I would still go Top Gun Maverick a little bit farther down the list. But I love it. I do. Very emotional scene there at the end. A lot of people have told me, hey, you still got a little dusty in the theater. Yeah, it did. It did. It's a great movie, man. Number three, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite movies. It was all written by one of my favorite authors. It's Anne Rice's Interview with a Vampire. And I think you can still watch this on Netflix. It, was, it recently was added to the queue. Maybe that ran out last month. Interview with a Vampire. Brad Pitt, Kirsten Dunst. It was uh, an incredible crew. Um, Antonio Banderas was Armand. It is a great film. It is a fantastic book. If you don't know Anne Rice, and we lost Anne last year, um, you know, the world's a little bit of a darker place because of Anne, because she lived and because she died, right? And what I mean by that is, is she kind of romanticized the vampire, you know, mystique. And so there was like this, you know, dark corners, I guess, in the literary community that she kind of was part of. And then in addition to that, you know, her talent is now gone. Just an unsurpassed talent. And uh, lived in New Orleans, which was perfect, right? Made perfect sense. Number two, because you can't handle the truth, it's A Few Good Men. I love that movie. I have probably seen that a hundred times or more. It's so great. And I love Demi Moore too. I absolutely do. But you know, one of the things that I loved about Demi Moore and A Few Good Men is they didn't really fashion her as like a sex symbol right? It's like she was a professional woman. She was a litigator in a JAG Corps. 
and they never even kind of pursued that. They never did anything in any way whatsoever to make it seem kind of exploited, like she was just eye candy. She was very much, as Joe Galloway, a huge part of that movie based on her merits as an attorney. And I think it's great to kind of see her in that role because there have been some other ones, you know, where they kind of paint her out to be the party girl and everything else, and we all saw uh, St. Elmo's Fire in those movies too. And I think, again, it really showed that she's a very serious actor. It's not one of these things where she's just there on her looks. I'm a huge Demi Moore fan. Maybe we should do a top ten list of her movies. Um, But number one, it's got to be Top Gun. It has to be. It's an iconic movie. And there's so many people now that are going back and thinking, oh, my gosh, now I see why my parents thought the 80s were so cool. And I say this with as much love and admiration for you guys as I can, but I grew up in the greatest generation in American pop culture. It's true. Now, we didn't have Apple Music and and TiVo and DVR. We didn't have any of that stuff. But, man, we had movies and bands that rocked. And so I am very proud to be a you know, child of the 80s. I guess I'm a child of the 70s and a teen of the 80s. But uh, I loved it, man. And it's like the more I look back on all I know everybody thinks their generation and their senior class is the best and there's all this kind of stuff. I get it. But I think when you look at what's reintroduced to young people today, when people go back, oh, my gosh, I found this. Are you kidding me? The Breakfast Club? Like, like my kids love that movie. And there are so many times my kids would rather watch those 80s classics and watch something that's a little more contemporary. And I think a lot of it, too, is because there was just a coolness in the 80s. You know, we were, we were kids that grew up in the shadow of the Cold War. I think people forget that. It's like, I remember as a kid, and maybe it's because I was so sensitive in one of these South Mississippi families that we always felt like something bad was going to happen. But it's like every news, every time you turned on the news, you, you know, there was all this fear porn and things like that. And all these people, are, the Russians are doing this and the Russians are doing that. And there's going to be nuclear war and we're going to die and we're going to all, you know, rot. And they're going to kill us. We had this inferiority complex. And then Ronald Reagan wins the Cold War. Next thing you know, communism is nearly stamped out globally. All these Eastern Bloc countries broke off. The former Soviet republics became independent countries. And it was like it was a changing time in our life. But you know, we grew up with that. And if you go back and look at those early 80s movies, there's so much of that, too, where the, you know, the Russians were, the, you know, were the, the foils. They were the antagonist. I mean, you go back and look, like, no retreat, no surrender. I mean, Jean-Claude Van Damme was an Eastern European martial artist. Those guys were painted to be the villains. It was always this us-versus-them mentality. And I think... Because of that, I think there was always this kind of pro-American sentiment that we can do it, that we are the cool kids. And so I think that kind of bled over into pop culture. And we we were so blessed to have so many talented people. And it's really gotten watered down. It has. You know, it's like nowadays anybody can get a record deal, and if you can't, you can go put your own music on iTunes. And listen, I'm a firm believer in all that. Let's shine a light on everybody's talent. But... We celebrate a lot of mediocrity these days. That wasn't really the case in the 80s. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I loved everything that was on Top 40. But you know, when you look back, I mean, it's like we had so many iconic bands and movies in the 80s. And they're coming back around. How cool is that? Again, thanks our friend, to our friends at uh, CloseWithBlair.com for sponsoring today's Top 10 list. If you have an idea for the Top 10 list, reach out and let me know. Better yet, find Roy 
at dogmatic67 on Twitter. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And send him your idea. And then he'll communicate with me. He'll put it on a list. Because if you send it to me, I can't guarantee I'll get it to Roy to get it on the list and I'll forget. So there you go. Top 10 Tom Cruise movies. Hope you guys, if you hadn't had a chance to go see Top Gun Maverick, you should. You owe it to yourself to go, for sure. Before we get too far away, and I, and I hate to do this. I meant to do it earlier. I, I got disjointed when we had the news break about uh, about the new transfers. We've been expecting that for a day now. But uh, I wanted to give our Prime Shrimp Player of the Game award to Braylon Skinner. And again, I know that he's moving on, and we support him in doing so. He's got to do what's best for him. And sometimes what's best for Mississippi State may not be best for an individual player. But we're very grateful that Braylon Skinner came our way. Brother was a fan favorite, and I always, uh, every time he came to the plate, the ovation that he got at home was very special, really was. And I want to thank our fans for doing that. Uh, Braylon will go down in Mississippi State history. He's a guy that scored one of the biggest runs, had the biggest stolen base in Bulldog history, and scored one of the most important runs in the history of our program. And he'll always have a home here at Mississippi State. PrimeShrimp.com, that's your first and last stop when it comes to high-quality shrimp. Rather than go bother with store-bought shrimp, you got to go buy it and devein it and everything. You're like, well, you know, I just keep forgetting to order. Listen, you owe it to yourself. Trust me today. Just give them an opportunity. You don't have to go get a freezer full of it, right? But what you can do is order. They'll package it up. They'll send it to you. There's in, they're in these neat little pouches. The tails are gone. The veins are gone. The peel is gone. These are ready-to-cook shrimp, delivered directly to your door, courtesy of PrimeShrimp.com. It's a New Orleans-based company. They've been peeling shrimp since the 1940s. Four great flavors to choose from. You can have delicious shrimp on your dinner table 10 minutes or less without all the prep and cleanup. I'm, I'm telling you, there are so many products out there that promise a good game. These guys don't just talk it, they walk it. A great, great, great product. And here's the thing, you get a money-back guarantee. If you don't love it, they'll give you your money back. And free shipping on all orders over four pounds. You don't have to get that much, but if you do, they'll, they'll save you some money. And let us save you some money, too. Use promo code BONEYARD to save some money when you go to primeshrimp.com. Save some money off that order. Again, that's primeshrimp.com, an exciting program, an exciting product. And we thank them, as always, for sponsoring our Prime Shrimp player of the game. And again, we didn't play a game, but we want to tip our cap to our buddy, Braylon Skinner, as he moves on from the Mississippi State Baseball Program. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Campus Bookmart. You know Campus Bookmart. You should by now. It is a Starkvillian institution nestled up on the backside of campus. You take that turn off of uh, 182 by the state trooper section. Next thing you know, boom, there you are. On your way to campus. Be sure and go check them out. The lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, is an incredible buyer when it comes to all Mississippi State merchandise. Miss Pam Minyard, everybody up there will treat you like family because in their mind, you are family. And because you are family, they're one of those situations where it's like, hey, we understand the expectations of our wonderful fans, so they always make sure you've got the newest and latest and freshest in Mississippi State merch. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net courtesy of Al Gore's internet. And by using the Boneyard as your primary source for podcasting when it comes to Bulldogs, we'll save you a little money. The primary promo code, excuse me, is Boneyard. No, it's not. It's BSR. How about that? I got confused. 
Promo code Boneyard is incorrect. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. I was just making sure you're paying attention. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So correctly, visit campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR, to save on shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Football season will be here before you know it. And you know, Mom, the kids all want some fresh MSU threads before summer vacation, too. Everybody wants to go swimming, but you want that new and fresh T-shirt. You know, if you're in Fort Walton, you're going down to Evans Island or whatever, you're going to dinner, you want to be able to rep the Bulldogs. Take care of them. Order yourself something too, Mom. Go ahead and do it. You got to get my permission. If your husband fusses at you, give him, give him my number. Tell him to call me. I'll take care of it. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So we've got some people leaving. We also have some people, you know, kind of coming in. And uh, I think it's important, too, that we understand, based on the information that we have, we don't expect any other transfer outs. We don't think that's going to happen. You know, and, and I, let me just say we're pretty well sourced on the topic. Now, any other, any other transfer at this point would be a surprise. So we feel good about where we are. Now, we picked up a commitment today. Right-handed pitcher Landon Gartman from the University of Memphis. Now, he is a Mississippi native. How about that? A guy that grew up wanting to play at Mississippi State, didn't get the opportunity the first two times. A product of the Mississippi Junior College system, signed on with Memphis with uh, Coach uh, Rock up there. Coach Sean Rock retired this year. And, uh, yeah, Memphis, that program has kind of been a little bit of a flux. But we faced Gartman in our midweek game against those guys. But uh, going back a couple of years, he was the 2020-21 uh, Mississippi Association of Community Colleges Pitcher of the Year and then named the D2 JUCO Pitcher of the Year. How about that? That's pretty cool for Pearl River Community College, just down the road from my hometown of Columbia Miss. Matter of fact, I got a lot of former classmates that are PRC graduates. My mom is a PRC graduate. How about that? But Gartman, originally from Bogachetta, Mississippi, you've all floated to Bogachetta. You know it's good people down there, right? That's yeah. You talk about true Mississippi. There is not more true Mississippi than Bogachetta. If you have not floated to Bogachetta, you have not lived. I've floated it several times. I can't count the times I got drunk and sunburned floating to Bogachetta. I'm not saying you got to get drunk, but you can go float to Bogachetta and have a great time. A great time. And you know... The Gartman family has spent some time floating to Boca Chitta. But uh, Boca Chitta, Mississippi, nestled in down there in the uh, in the Pine Belt. And so he went to uh, Enterprise. I believe that's correct. The Enterprise Attendance Center. That's right. Yeah, played for Cass Brister. Yeah. So you know he's been well coached. You know he's from a great part of the state. And you know the guy can pitch. So he makes the move. And it's interesting to like you look at all this stuff. You're not exactly sure, kind of because of the COVID year. It looks to me that he is going to be a junior because he is three years removed from high school. Because 2020 didn't count, and so in in uh, 2019 to 20, he made four appearances there at Pearl River, and then in the 2020 to 2021 season. He went 9-0 with a 1.95 ERA and 12 appearances, 11 of them starts, 81 strikeouts against just 21 walks. We're talking 4-1 to there in 60 innings, so a little bit over a strikeout per, which junior college stats are 
kind of skewed more towards a swing and miss. A lot of swing and miss in Mississippi Juco. Um, but this is a guy, too, you look at and say, okay, well, he didn't just do it in the Mississippi Juco. He actually went and did it at Memphis. And uh, one of the things that I always look at, too, when we talk about Mississippi guys, is Garvin was a product of the East Coast Sox. That is one of the premier traveling baseball outfits in the country. Not just anybody can play for the East Coast Sox. You got to have some moxie about you. These guys, more times than not, are going to have a lot of prospects. So, they, so he's playing in a good organization. Comes from a great high school coaching background with Coach Brister. Joins a premier traveling team at East Coast. And then he goes to the junior college level, and he, and he kind of begins to mature. A bit of a late bloomer, I guess you could say. Now, what did he do this year? Well, that's, I'm, I'm so glad you guys asked. Well, this year at Memphis, pretty impressive numbers here. So we, we take a look at it. 86 innings pitched, allowed 54 hits, so way less than a hit per, way less. I mean, a lot of guys in the SEC, of course, it's a, it's a hit per inning. But this isn't even close. Allowed 35 runs, 34 of them earned, 29 walks against 94K. So, again, right around that 4-to-1 ratio. That kind of carries over from junior college. Allowed just 12 doubles, one triple, and then nine home runs. And that number's got to come down. He gave up three of those in one game against Wichita State. Difficult start there for him. Just three hit-by-pitches. So we're not walking a lot of guys. We're not hitting a lot of guys. That tells me he's around the plate. you got to like that. Work deep into a couple of ball games. Uh, the longest outing of the year, he had an eight-inning stint against East Carolina. And maybe you've heard of those guys. They're a top-eight national seed this year. Goes eight innings, no hits, no runs. Does have four walks, ten punchies. They lose the game 4-1. to one. I mean, just think that for a second here. We talk, well, he plays at Memphis. Okay, well, yeah, I understand that's not – the best conference in the world. I mean, they only had, I think, two teams that had a, two, three teams that had a winning record this year. And there's still one big league. But he goes up there against the best they have to offer and no hits them. Won 131 pitches, and you know he wanted to come back there in ninth. I mean, it's like he goes eight innings and they lose a ball game 4 1. That, what a heartbreaker, right? Uh, the most difficult outing of the year for him was against the University of Houston. He goes just five innings, nine hits, eight runs, seven of those earned, three walks, three Ks, a couple doubles there. Got touched up a little bit there. They lose a wild one, 11 to nine. But let's go back to that Mississippi State game. He goes four innings against us and then turned around and pitched against Tulane. But four innings and a start against us, no hits, no runs, two walks, four Ks, one hit by pitch. It's a pretty good outing in a midweek. And, again, like I told you, he pitched against Southeastern Illinois at Edwards the week in before, pitches against us midweek, and then turns around and pitches against Tulane. And Tulane, you know, that's not not a great program. You know, they're making coaching change this year. But still, I mean, that's a, a team that we played, and they knocked us around a little bit too. He goes down there, seven innings pitch, six hits, three runs, all earned, three walks, nine Ks, allowed a couple of uh, extra base hits. But uh, – Again, a good outing. So you look at the numbers, and, and it's pretty impressive stuff. And Memphis didn't have a lot around him. You know, this it wasn't a great team by any stretch of the imagination. But he goes out there and puts together a 7-1 and one record this year and also had a save early in the year against Brown. That's his one appearance that wasn't a start this year. 
you know, again, pretty impressive tight And he's a guy that can do anything. That's one of the things that people tell me. Is that, you know, he could be like that Preston Johnson role of 2021 where he's the first guy of the bullpen. Or he could be a guy that could start on the weekends. I've seen some people kind of projecting him as a weekend starter. I don't know if that's fair at this point because we don't know what else is going to come out of the portal. And what they tell me is he is agreeable to doing whatever he needs to do. He's like, hey, if i got to be a mid-reliever, I'll do it. If I need to be a starter, I'll do it. Those are the kind of guys you want. When you begin to look at these, you know, Landon Gartman too, I mean, it's like this is a guy who was an all-conference pitcher. You know, in that same, uh, you know, league as East Carolina. You know, and again, not, not a great league. But Memphis had a pair of guys make the first team all AAC. Gartman was one of them. Memphis made a pretty good run in that tournament, too. Uh, but Landon Garman, first team all AAC. He was also the AAC newcomer pitcher of the year. And it wasn't just beating up on non-conference. He's 6-1 in the league this year. 88 strikeouts in a regular season. Pretty good. Pretty good. So a good first addition from the portal. You know, you got Nate Chester that joined here recently, too, junior college transfer, so that's another newcomer, too. Let's not let that get lost in, in the conversation because he didn't necessarily come from the portal. And, again, this is, a, this is an SEC bounce back. This isn't just some guy that went to JUCO. But it's interesting, you know, it's like sometimes you get these guys right out of JUCO and you're not exactly sure what you have, and you get Nate Chester a bounce back coming through the junior college system, and then you get a, a JUCO success story like Gartman a guy that maybe wasn't highly heralded coming out of Enterprise, makes a name for himself at PRC, and then becomes an all-conference pitcher at Tulane on a losing team. That's a good start, if you ask me. And there's more to come. You know, and we've talked recently about some of these guys at Tulane. Uh, we've talked recently about uh, you know pitcher from uh, pitcher a hitter from Belmont, Guy Lipscomb. And so here is what you should expect. Let me try to break it down as best I can. So during the month of June, here is what I expect. And that's not to say that there won't be some anomalies. There will be. But by and large, I think your commitments in June will be guys that are either not draft eligible or guys that are draft eligible but are not planning to sign, if that makes sense. Because if you're Mississippi State, you don't want to go invest, oh, well, let's go get this kid, and then he signs you know, fifth-round contract. And then you lose on your second and third option. So you got to be careful in what you do. It's a very convoluted process right now for your coaching staff. Now, what we hear, like Gartman, he is draft eligible, but he is not expected to be drafted high enough to command the signing bonus to prevent him from going to school because he will have another year to play. So he has a little bit of leverage. So we expect him to come and be able to pitch at Mississippi State this year. I don't think he is a guy that will command a top ten uh, round type pick. Could be a guy that goes late. And, you know, you know, again, we'll see. But I suspect what you're going to see, because I, I, I think it's important to kind of frame this up. I think all the transfer outs are done. And so I think the negativity, you know, you know how that feels. It's like, oh, we didn't make the tournament. Now this kid's leaving. And some of that is for the best. But I think now that we're through the negative aspect of it, now the transfer outs are done, you're going to start getting the good news. You're going to start getting the transfer ins. 
And so, and I think the balance, I think in the end, the net difference is going to be a very positive for Mississippi State. And, and I say this with as much love and respect as I can in my voice. I believe that the players coming in are going to be better than the ones going out when it comes to the transfer portal. We're going to lose some guys in the draft that it's going to be difficult to replace. But my point is, is that I think Mississippi State had some guys on the roster they were kind of dead weight. And, and I, I love all of them. I do. But this is not the Boy Scouts. And if they're not going to be able to play here, we are doing them a disservice by not you know, really kind of letting them go transfer. You know, not that we can stop them. But, yeah, you know, I think sometimes you just have to be honest. You know, when you have those end-of-the-year meetings, I would say, hey, here's the year you had. Here's what we see for our future. And if you don't think there are coaches around the country, it's to say, hey, listen, if you want to stay, yeah, you can stay. But – Here's the deal. You know, we got this guy coming in, this guy coming in, this guy's coming back. You know, I can't promise you more playing time next year. But you're welcome to come back. We'd love to have you, you know, as a reserve player. And then you can make a decision based on information. And so rather than kind of being selfish, especially when you know a guy could maybe play, you know, a G5 or a lower level, you're almost being dishonest. Just be up front with them. And those end-of-the-year meetings have happened, not just at Mississippi State, but around the country. And you got some of these guys like at Memphis and at Tulane. It's like, hey, I got a new coaching staff coming in. Let me just go in the portal and see. Let me see what my options are going to be. And that way, if a new coach comes in and I like him, I can always take my name out. But I could be the next Scotty DeBrule. I could be a guy from Jacksonville that goes in the portal and ends up having a chance to play in a Southeastern Conference and being part of a great team that makes a run to Omaha. I could be Michael Turner at Arkansas, where I leave Kent State. Now all of a sudden I'm a second leading hitter. I've improved my draft stock immensely. Or if I don't get that opportunity, I can go back to which I've come. I, when a new coach gets here, I say, hey, coach, now that you're here, I like it. I think I'm going to come out of Portland and play ball. I hope we'll let you come back. But you don't lose anything by going into Portland at this point because there's no coach to talk to. And I'm sure the, the coach that gets there is going to be like, hey, let's see if we can't get our kids out of the portal. So you kind of get the benefit of kind of playing both sides against the middle. But we're expected to get some more good news here in the next couple of weeks. I wouldn't say that there's something immediate, but I don't think the next transfer is too far removed from today. And, again, it's been a busy day. Two guys go out, one guy comes in. But I think from this point forward, just about everything you're going to hear for the month of June is going to be very positive about Mississippi State baseball. And let's be honest, State needs a good month. We need a good month. While everybody else is out there, uh, you know, working through regionals, and we wish we were, you know, we're kind of tooling up for next year. So we've got to go out there and find those players. And there are some of the guys – let me just go and kind of put this out here. There are some guys out there that we will eventually talk to that are still playing baseball right now. You said, but Steve – how can that be? Well, you know, everybody talks. Well, this guy may go in the portal. So there can't be any direct contact or that would be considered tampering. But there are some players out, out there that are going to be playing in regionals this weekend that will go in the portal once their teams are eliminated from the tournament. Well, there's no way you would do that, right? You wouldn't do that in the middle of the, of the tournament unless you had to. Like, you know, State went through that last year. We're in Omaha. We had to have guys go get in the portal to beat the July 1st deadline. So guys will play their regional, 
they'll make a decision and some guys will go into the portal. And so, and that that's something that'll may linger on for a couple of weeks, but again, you have until July 1st to go in and then Mississippi state obviously can get involved with you once you go into the portal. And so it's not about necessarily all the names we're discussing now over at jeanspage.com. There will be more names to come. And I say this, some of them are going to be names, you know, and not just because you're a college baseball nerd like me. There are going to be some other names out there that uh, are going to be seeking other opportunities that will be from teams that perhaps that you know fairly well. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to end up at Mississippi State. But I can tell you that talking to some of our friends in the Southeastern Conference baseball circles, that there are some players on some SEC teams that are going into the portal shortly after their team is eliminated from the NCAA baseball tournament. And that's just not just one school, it's multiple schools. Multiple schools. How many of those will be targets for Mississippi State? That remains to be seen. I feel pretty comfortable about one or two of them. But I can tell you that uh, you know, there, there is a lot of talk about Arkansas. There's a lot of talk about some guys on the roster at Arkansas that maybe have gotten there and just hadn't been the best of fits that may go in the portal. I've heard some talk about a player or two at Ole Miss that may go into the portal. There was a lot of chatter about that earlier this week, and then Ole Miss makes the regional, and so now it's kind of died down, as it should. Getting ready to go play some baseball. It's a game you love. You know, it's not about next year. It's about right now. There's some talk at LSU that there are some guys. Because what's happened now is, you know, we had this expanded roster because of COVID, and now everybody's trying to get down, right? Because, you know, we thought it was going to be like a maybe a two- to three-year process where you can kind of taper back down, but they didn't do it. And so, as a result, there are some teams that are going to process some guys out, and we don't really want those guys. We don't want the processed out guys. We want those guys that feel like, hey, i got to get a better opportunity somewhere else, or I see the chance to play at a place like Mississippi State better than where I am now. And there are some great baseball players in the G5 ranks. And I said that because I think it's important to understand that. You know, there are guys that develop at different rates. One of the guys on the jeanspage.com baseball forum made a joke. He said, yeah, we'll let them go develop somewhere else and go get them out of the portal. Hey, that sounds like a plan to me. Isn't that what Alabama's doing in football? Then that's the big fear, right? Is well, Alabama, will just, you know, they'll just go recruit kids off your team. You know, baseball is a little different in that respect, but Mississippi State carries a lot of weight because of you and because of our history and our tradition. And so it's like, well, yeah, I had a great career for a couple of years at Southern Miss or Tulane or Memphis or Central Florida or Texas San Antonio. But I played in front of, you know, a thousand people. I can go play in front of 10,000. I can be part of an incredible atmosphere. I think I owe it to myself, not to mention if I can do it at the SEC level at a place like Mississippi State, all of a sudden I've got a chance to probably be drafted. And so those are the things that sometimes I think we forget about when it comes to throwing our own weight around. We are a desirable location to come play college baseball. It's the truth. You don't think – I mean, think about this. If – let's say for an example – Let's say Southern Miss. Let's say a kid from Southern Miss goes into the portal. Or even UAB. And let's say he gets offers from Mississippi State, Alabama, Auburn, 
and maybe even Georgia. Where do you think he's going to go if given the opportunity? Do you really think that a guy with maybe no, no rooting interest in Alabama would go play Alabama baseball when given a chance to play at Mississippi State? No. The same could be said of the reverse in football, right? I mean, like if given the choice, a kid that, doesn't, that didn't grow up Mississippi State fan, all things being equal, they'd pick Alabama football over Mississippi State, and they should. It's the same thing in baseball. Well, I can go to Alabama, and maybe we can make the tournament, or I can go to Mississippi State. We've got a chance to go to Omaha. We've got a chance to compete for a national championship. You know, personalities are part of it, too, but when you look at the grand scheme of things, it makes perfect sense. And so when Mississippi State announces they're going to be aggressive in the portal, it makes people nervous. It makes other schools out there who are thinking, hey, well, we'll go get this kid. Well, we're not going to beat Mississippi State for him. And that's not arrogance. That's not haughtiness. That's just the reality of life. That's the pecking order in college baseball. There are a lot of teams out there that are on the same level of Mississippi State when it comes to national accomplishments. But when you look at the difference facility-wise and you look at the fan experience and what the player experience is going to be like playing in front of this great fan base, it's like, yeah, okay. And I listen, I love this Oklahoma State team. I think they're really good. But you go look at their attendance numbers compared to ours. And, and Oklahoma State, you know, in the 80s, was kind of right there with us. I contend they're one of the top 15 college ball baseball programs of all time. But who's going to pick Oklahoma State over coming to play at Mississippi State and Duty Noble Field in front of the greatest fans in college baseball? Not anybody unless they have a rooting interest in Oklahoma State baseball. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of the reality of it. And so I think in many respects – Mississippi State can afford to be a little picky. Mississippi State can't afford to be impatient here. But I think that Mississippi State officer offer just carries a little more weight with guys. I mean, you, you talk to Scotty DeBrule, you talk to R.J. Yeager. I remember when I, like I talked to Nate Chester. She just couldn't believe it. He absolutely just couldn't believe it. He said when, when Mississippi State's Kyle Cheesebro texted him, he thought he was being punked. And then he calls him and like he's like, these guys know who I am. They know my history. They know what I can do well. He said he was completely blown away because it's Mississippi State. The defending NFL champions. Duty Noble Field. I mean, how many places – I mean, honestly, if you went out and polled a bunch of college baseball players from around the country and you asked them to name maybe the top five college baseball parks that they know that they don't play in, how many of them do you think would say Duty Noble Field? I would say most of them. We've got a historic venue. This is the place where people want to be. And so this rebuild on this roster, I think, is going to be, number one, incredibly important. That goes without saying. But I think Chris Lamonis is going to be able to throw the M over S around with a little more authority than perhaps some other schools can with their own traditions and opportunities. And you're a big part of that. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's thank our friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico because I'd want to be closer to campus. I'm, I'm out here in the sticks. When I first I've, I moved here from Baton Rouge, and it's like I just want to have some room to myself and you know, be able to not have people passing by all the time. You, know, you never know in Baton Rouge. I mean, you know, drive-by breaks out, whatever. You know. um, all that said, if I had to do it over, I'd want to be close. 
the campus. I spend so much time on campus. I spend some, matter of fact, I've got a big project I'm working on right now. I got to be on campus uh, Friday for a little while doing some research. And uh, I'm going to work on that article this weekend. But uh, I would like to be close. And one of the reasons that you guys want to have a place in Starkville is to be close to Mississippi State. Well, Portico is 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. And it's the quiet side of campus. You know, it's all kind of hustle and bustle kind of coming in on 12, right, from town, right? You, you make the long stretch there. You come in on 82 on the back side of 12, it's, it's really quiet. That's where you'd live. Close enough to campus for convenience, far enough away to have a little privacy. Kind of tucked away over there. And I encourage you, go by and check it out yourself. Even if you're just, maybe just getting in the ballpark and thinking, maybe one day we'd like to do this. One day we'd like to have a place, but you can't wait too much longer. Phase one is completely sold out. Your new neighbor's already enjoying the high life here in Stark Vegas, man. Phase two, we've already got a couple of those houses sold, and there's 10 under construction. We've got some room, though, for some custom homes. Still got a chance for you to pick out a lot, pick out some house plans. And there's going to be other ones against the, you know, if, hey, if you just want to come get one, so you know what, Steve, I just want to have a nice home close to campus. I'm not real picky. Maybe it's going to be my retirement home. Maybe it's my second home. Maybe it's an investment property. Your needs can be met. Give my friend, your friend, Mississippi State friends, Brooks Bryan, a call today, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And let me tell you this, if you're looking for a home right now in Starkville, and your real estate agent hasn't mentioned the portico, you need to ask why. Because you're not going to do any better. I'm just laying it out there for you. It's, it's going to be a great opportunity for you. Go check them out. And, and listen, Brooks Bryan's got a lot of great Bulldog baseball stories. I don't know if you guys know this. Brooks robbed a home run against the University of Washington to send us to Omaha. He'll tell you all about it. His lovely wife, Beth, will tell you, too, that uh, I, I joke when I see him. I did you know that he – she said, do I know? We, it's, like, it's, it's like our living room wall. Like the, there's a picture the size of the house on the living room wall. And congratulations, Brooks, and thanks for that. Thank you for doing that. All right, let's get ready to get out of here. A um, couple more things we want to talk about. You know, the SEC meetings are going down in Destin. That'll wind down here in the next couple of days. Coaches are done now. I suspect we'll have a scheduling model that will come out here soon. A uh, lot of the discussion about the 3-6 I don't know if that helps Mississippi State, to be honest with you. Because we need those four non-conference games to make sure we're going to be bowl eligible. If we go to non-conference games, it's going to be difficult for us some years to get to six wins. I mean, I'm just laying it out there. That's just kind of the reality of life, especially in down years for us. So I don't know that that's good for us. And that's a real challenge. Now, the flip side of it is, is uh, we're not going to have to play Alabama every year, from what I hear. You, know, you have your three permanents. Well, so who would we get? Well, Ole Miss would be one. You know, then Ole Miss would get, would get LSU. That's what, that's what they would want. I don't, I don't think LSU cares. LSU and Alabama has been the highest-watched college football game in a regular season, I think, five years running. I think the league would want LSU and Alabama together because it drives up the TV revenue. What does State get? Do we get Auburn? Do we get A&M? I'd be okay keeping A&M, wouldn't you? So we get Ole Miss, A&M, and somebody else. Maybe we get all Miss A&M and LSU. I don't know how LSU people would feel about, about uh, that, but I think they'd be happy to have the Mississippi schools, and I think some other people would be unhappy that they had both Mississippi schools. So we'll see. We'll see what the model looks like. But at the end of the day, it basically people have said, well, we're not doing pods. This basically is the pod. You're just not rotating pods. You're rotating 
uh, your non-permanent opponents. And when we went back in the beginning, this is so funny too. You know, years ago, you know, you had permanent opponents. You know, so we had two in the East, right? So we had Vandy and Kentucky. And everybody's like, hey, well, State wins the West, and they didn't have to play Georgia or Florida. Well, you know, you guys picked the teams. wasn't us. But you're going to have some years like that. Give me Missouri. Let me get, let me get Ole Miss, A&M, Missouri. How about that? I'd be good with that, wouldn't you? be great. But either way, change is coming. And there are a lot of people out there that say, well, you know, you had that dead weekend right before rivalry week. You know, I, I'm okay with it. I don't need all of that. And the thing that I think about, too, and I mentioned this on Jay Wimberly's show, what does that do for college football? All of a sudden, you don't have the SEC schools writing that big check for FCS teams, and in some cases, G5 teams. What happens to those teams' athletic budget? I think Jimbo Fisher mentioned that today earlier, too, and I had already – my line of thinking was already trending in that, that direction. There's no RPI in college football. And I think it's a great thing that we have played the swag schools in our state because they are, by and large – comprised of Mississippi players. And so we're basically investing in our own state, and I think it's a good thing when State and Ole Miss, especially in in football, will play those schools and help put some money in their coffers and kind of ease a little bit of the economic strain. There's not a lot of budget that goes around in the FCS. And so if if we're going to have to write that check anyway – Rather than write it to Gardner-Webb or McNeese State, I would much rather write that check to a Mississippi institution. To me, that makes the most sense. And I think Scott Strickland's the one that kind of began to kind of walk down that line. And I think it's a smart – it is the right thing to do. We're investing in student-athletes in Mississippi, even ones not on our own campus. It is the right thing to do. So – what does Alcorn State do? How do they go find that game? Now, do you think they're going to be able to go sign a deal with Texas? And not to mention, think about all the times that we've had, you know, think of Justin Malone for an example. Justin Malone was a great guard at Mississippi State. One of Justin Malone's first experiences on the Mississippi State campus was coming to watch his brother play Mississippi State when he was at Alcorn State. And so you get these families and you get their, their younger brothers that may develop into an SECF. And all of a sudden it's like, man, one of my greatest memories of, as a kid was going to watch my brother play at Mississippi State. So they leave here with a positive experience. And so I'm very much a proponent of playing the FCS game for, for multiple reasons. Number one, we need to win. But number two, I think it's good for everybody involved. That's my honest opinion. Now, another thing that you need to be mindful of, too, based on some conversations with some sources close to the conversation, this scholarship model they put out now, there's a good chance that thing passes by August. Now, I don't know when the drop-dead date would be. Like, okay, it's gonna, is it going to start this year? I would think there's probably a possibility of that happening since we're going to do it in August. Now, that's what everybody's still figuring out. We're kicking this thing down to the leagues. And so part of that, you recall, is football. No 25 annual limit. 
we knew that something like that was going to have to happen. You know, this year they had the little one-year exception rule where you could exceed the 25 limit. Well, with the portal being what it is, when you know, let's say for an example, you know, a coach gets fired or leaves or whatever, and you know, 25 players get in the portal, well, it's impossible for a school to make that that up, right? Because you know you got 20 guys going in the portal and you got 25 graduating, it could decimate your roster. And so now what they're basically saying is, okay, the portal's here to stay. So we're going to let you sign as many as you need to, provided you stay under the 85 limit. And as long as we're going to allow the portal to be what it is, and I, I think it's pretty safe to say it is, it is here to stay. You can't have this one-year exception. You got to get you know a solution, a permanent solution, and that's what that does. On the baseball side of things, and this is what I think is most interesting, we've got to decide what the squad size is going to be. And then you can decide how you want to fully fund it. So they're going to kick that if the plan passes, and we expect that it will. If they kick it down, the SEC will then decide if they want to allow teams to fully fund baseball. And so then there would be a number. Like it's 11.7 now. Let's say it's 25. Let's say it's 22. Let's say it's 19. Whatever it is the schools will then be able to do it. And here's the thing about it, too. Most of our baseball student-athletes in Mississippi State, most of them earn some academic money, too. And so then you could stack the academic aid on top of the financial aid from this athletic scholarship, and you could do a partial scholarship, which is what we used to do years ago. But it's like now, all of a sudden, if, if we went, so this kid's going to get a 50% scholarship academic, well, I can give him 50% and give somebody else. Now, you could just decide, you know what, we'll just put everybody on full scholarship. But to make sure that you're Title IX compliant, you're going to have to make sure that you offset that, maybe with soccer or softball. And I'm told that softball doesn't want fully funding. And what I mean by that is, is they don't, they don't feel like they need you know, 25 grants. And I think, you know, we've got to do something for softball as a sport anyway. Uh, but I think Mississippi State's got to be involved in all that, and maybe on women's track. You've got to be able to offset that. But once we get through August, and, and ultimately, too, I think the SEC will have a plan kind of pending the August approval. Okay, this is what we're going to do should you choose to do it. Now, there are a lot of schools out there like, you know, Ole Miss has women's rifling. We don't have that. Um, not everybody has – like Vanderbilt doesn't have softball. Uh we don't have gymnastics, you know, and so people have to kind of decide how they want to offset this to remain Title IX compliant. But scheduling change is 100% coming. Scholarship change is 100% coming. And NIL is 100% coming. And I'll tell you this thing, too, and this is kind of the dirty little secret behind this whole NIL thing and nobody wants to talk about. You talk to some people involved in college athletics and they'll tell you. There are not a lot of student athletes that really want to go do anything for the NIL money. He said, but Steve, well, most of this money is not substantial. I mean, when you're a broke college student, any money should be substantial. But if they're getting the Austin Award, Austin Award, excuse me, you know, for the academics, I mean, you got to think that's over $5,000 there, you know, and I don't have to do anything but go to class and, and make good grades, and I get that money for free. There's a lot of apathy. And that's the word that it was used to describe to me. There is some NIL apathy among average players in college athletics. It's like, okay, I've got this study hall and this workout, and this mandatory thing here, and I've got class and I've got a lab. 
oh, I got to go do this on top of that. You know, so it's hard to kind of fit that in because the way the NIL program works, and contrary to the belief of many, is both sides have to benefit from the agreement. You can't just give somebody money. I know there are some people out there that, that want to do that, but that's not how it works. So in order, say for an example, if I want to give, you know, a Mississippi State baseball player some money to go, you know, advertise my books, well, he's got to go do something for me. Whether I go to book signings, make a personal appearance, do social media postings, you know, and, and it's got to be fair market value. I can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to give this kid $10,000 and he can send a tweet for me. No, it's got to be something that is commiserate value. You know, if I, let's say, for example, like with Landon Sims. If I'd had Landon Sims go with me on book signings and had him sign books and say, okay, Landon, we're going to pay you, you know, a couple hundred bucks in appearance, come for an hour. You don't think you guys would have turned out not just to get my signature, but get Landon's too as well? But I couldn't just say, okay, Landon, I'm going to give you $10,000. He'd have to do something. All of that is being talked about. And, and it's like the conference has to kind of get some agreements in place before, you know, the NCAA summer meetings. But change is coming. And we have made a mess. And I'll be honest with you, guys, you know, I have been critical of Greg Sankey about certain things in the past, you know, especially on the officiating side. I do think Greg Sankey is a great leader. I think Greg Sankey is an agent for change. I think Greg Sankey will help lead not just the SEC but college athletics into a more profitable and equitable future. And I think all of this is kind of unfolding kind of as we speak. And so I encourage you guys pay special attention there will be some proposals that probably come out later in the week of what to expect. And then, of course, as we get a little bit later into the NCAA summer meetings and things like that and the transformation committee uh, kind of meets again, and then those things are voted on, it's going to be a very important summer. And not just for college baseball or for college football scheduling, but there's going to be some major changes made in college athletics as a whole. And so it's not going to be just the, you know, the, 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 the status quo. We've wanted change, and the NCAA has to change, or they're going to end up losing school. They're going to end up losing membership. And uh, it's just a matter of time, I think, if, uh, if they don't become more receptive to what's best for the member institutions, that the member institutions will say, you know what, we're just going to go form our own super conference and move on. It's all part of the, the puzzle. But uh, be mindful of that as we kind of get going forward. So a lot of things that are being discussed down in Destin that are kind of a precursor for change later this summer. All right, that's it for today. Listen, I will be at Lemuria Books on Saturday at 1.30. So if you're looking to uh, get signed books, we've had a problem with the website. They're working on getting that fixed. Uh, contact your local bookstore till we get that back up and operational. But if you're in the Jackson or Central Mississippi area, come to Lemuria Books at 1.30 on Saturday. I love going to Lemuria Books. It is my favorite bookstore uh, in the state of Mississippi. I've been an incredible, an incredible institution for many years. And uh, I'm always so so humbled to go in there and uh, work with John Evans. So if you're looking for Father's Day gifts, come down and see me on Saturday. If you can't make it, you can contact them and pre-order and tell them how you want your book signed, and I'll sign it while I'm there. Uh, or maybe while I'm there, if, you, if you're like, oh, we're hustling to get there and we can't make it, just call them, and, and then you can pay over the phone, and I'll sign it, you can pick the book up at your leisure. So it's Lemuria Books in Jackson this Saturday. 
uh, 1.30. Uh, StarkVillains.com website's up and running good, so if you need some Stark Villains gear for Dad, be sure and use that as well. That's uh, StarkVillains.com. Hey, guys, that's it. Sorry for the late show today. I'm going to try to be earlier on Friday. I've, I've got some things I can't talk about yet. Of course, there's some things we're in negotiations with, and there's a lot going on right now. It, it dominated a lot of my day, and so I apologize for the late show. I will do my best to get you guys taken care of earlier uh, on Friday. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.